We're going to be in Matthew chapter 9, if you'd like to turn there. Uh, Many of you have heard us talk before about uh, what we believe the Lord is doing here in our midst. And there are three things. Uh, There's probably more, but three that uh, we feel like He wants us to focus on. Uh, We talk about them in different orders at different times and in different situations that come up in different ways. And this morning, I just wanted to remind you that we feel like God wants us to shepherd souls, to rescue families, and to be a gracious church. Uh, That last one, to be a gracious church, uh, we didn't necessarily think that we were one uh, or that we are one, that he wants us to be one. Um, And there are plenty of ways that we have failed in that in the past and probably even presently, and uh, we're just trusting that the Lord's working on us in those things. Um, I want to tell you, as, as you hear those, I, I want you to know that He does not want you to watch and see what's going to happen with that. Uh, he wants you to get involved. Uh, get involved in the story of it all. Um, as you see God at work here in this place, you don't want to stand back and go, oh, that's interesting. See see what God's doing there? But you want to jump in and you want to get involved and you want to uh, participate and think about how God wants you to be involved in that. Um, it, it's a very interesting thing. And even as we look at the New Testament, we see the plan of God unfold and that he left his church, his uh, church and local churches in place to continue on his work. And he didn't do that so that he would continue working in this world so that we could come and sit back and go, boy, it's interesting what God's doing in the world. But rather that we would be active participants as he writes history, uh, that he wants us to be a part of that. I want to encourage you to think that way this morning as we look to God's Word. This passage um, it has much to do with shepherding souls and with rescuing families. And so as we look at it through that lens this morning, hopefully you'll see where God wants to use you. If you'd stand in honor of God's Word, I'd like to read to you the last section in chapter 9 of Matthew starting at verse 35. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. God, I ask that you'd stir our hearts as we look at your word. Uh, Help us to see ourselves as the ones that need to be changed. And that we would find our place Uh, in what you're doing in this world. God, thank you for being a God who loves us so much that you would not only save us, but include us uh, in the work in other people's lives as well. Glorify yourself in our time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. 
picture yourself um, in a place of crowds. Maybe you're at a baseball game. Uh, not like a little league game, but like a major league baseball game. Thousands, tens of thousands of people. It's always interesting at the close of a very great game what happens to the freeways and the parking lots afterwards. It's this um, mad rush to get there so you could sit and wait to move a few inches uh, every so often. Maybe there are other places you have been. Maybe you have gone Christmas shopping at the mall. I can't understand why, but um, maybe some of you have done that. Maybe you've been to the beach on a summer day, a hot summer day, and uh, you've seen the crowds. Maybe you've been to some other place where you feel people just pushing in on you. And I want to ask you, what are your thoughts when you see the crowds? What do you? What are your thoughts when you're a part of the crowd? Um, I want us to start there because for most of us, being people of Tehachapi, we hate crowds. Can't stand them. Can't stand them. In fact, that's why we moved here. We didn't. We didn't want to be around people. We don't like to see them. I'm serious. I'm dead serious. You find it funny. Uh, we we have people pushing in. I, I remember uh, going to Yosemite during the summer. And, and Yosemite is kind of an interesting deal because uh, it's it's nature, right? It's beauty. It's uh, And there's just a gazillion people there in the summer. Uh, more people than squirrels, you know. Uh, uh, it's just, they're everywhere. And, and what do you think when you see the crowds? When I think about some of the thoughts that go uh, through my own head, I, I'm, I'm a people watcher. I know, I know there's others of you here are, are people watchers. And, and when, when the crowds come, you kind of are, are looking at different people and you're watching them. Uh, and and most of the time, I'm not just watching them. I'm going, you got to be kidding me, kidding me. You went out and looking like that, you know, oh, there's, you know, and I, I, uh, one of the, the, I couldn't get away from this when I was uh, considering the idea of crowds. Uh, one of the last baseball games I went to, I haven't been for a while, but um, I went to a Dodger game uh, at San Francisco Giants Stadium uh, up in the Bay Area. And uh, we were in the cheap seats. We were in the cheap seats, kind of in the outfield. And um, it, it was it was that. I mean, it was uh, people who were drunk. There were people who were loud. There were people who were rude. There were uh, all of the above. And and you sit back and you go, you got to be kidding me. There are people like this. You know, that that's what we do when we see the crowds. Um, I find myself... Um, coming away from something like that and, and feeling like I have to talk to the people who are in my life. You know what I really hate? You know what I really hate? And then I kind of fill in the blank of the crowds and the people and the various things that I hate. As I consider this, I, I, um, I also maybe say something like, you know, I can't stand it when fill in the blank. And then probably... Uh, one that is more personal. It makes me so mad when people fill in the blanks. Um, sometimes we struggle even here at Bear Valley Church. 
Um, some of you are sitting closer to people than you want to sit right now. Sorry. There's always room on the floor. There's always room on the floor. Um, those are back to the youth ministry days. But uh, uh, we push away from people and we're like, oh, it's just, it's just too much. And this morning, we look at a passage where Jesus is talking about people. And not just people, but crowds. We look at that first verse that I read in verse 35, and it, it kind of sets up and ties up what, what had come in, in the, revere, the, the rear view mirror. Um, Jesus was going from cities and villages, and he was going from town to town, and he was healing and teaching. And as he went through these cities and these villages, he saw crowds of people. And I'd even like to say it like this. Crowds of stupid people. Stupid people. Doing sinful and stupid things. And he saw crowds of them and piles of them. And they would follow him. And you think of the different things in different scenarios, even uh, after this time where Jesus interacted with people and, and the people were, were dumb. They, they didn't get it. They didn't get his lessons. They didn't stop him halfway through and go, I got it. They were always going, hey, but wait a minute. What about this? There were times where people didn't bring food and Jesus provided for them. He didn't go, say, you stupid people. Why didn't you bring some food? Weren't you thinking ahead? He saw sinners that were up to their eyeballs and above in sin. And he didn't go, why don't you stop it, stupid? Don't you realize that you're ruining your life? Jesus encountered crowds. And it says this one thing as he encountered these crowds as he went through the cities and the villages, teaching and healing it says in verse 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. He had compassion for them. He, he didn't say, oh, look at all these stupid people. Glad, glad I'm not one of them. People are so dumb. You know, the people today, ah, just a bunch of stupid people. I'm not one, but you, you. Jesus had compassion for them. This word compassion is the breaking of a heart. It's the, the, the deep-seated uh, feeling, that not just for pity, but that he was moved by this. His heart broke for them. As Jesus looked upon the crowds and, and crowds of people that were doing wrong, his heart broke. This is how Jesus responded to the crowds. And I want to say it this way. Jesus, sometimes um, we can be in situations that we may misunderstand. Misunderstand. Uh, picture yourself going to a football game if you've never heard of football before. You've never never understood football. And you, you go and you sit there and you watch. And immediately you go, oh, I feel so bad for them. That, that one guy got trampled on. That, that one guy, he's, he's working so hard. Why doesn't he go the other way? <laughs> you know, uh, uh, you, you just, because you don't get it. You don't get it. Some of you are still there today, right? You know, going to a lot of football games. I just don't get it. Why are they doing that? 
It's not that Jesus didn't understand their condition. In fact, Jesus completely understood their condition. Completely understood it. And he understood it in such a way where it, it, it stirred his heart to break for them, for the crowds. Why? He tells us, Matthew tells us what uh, Jesus' heart was in this. And, and it, as he looked down at verse 35, because they were harassed and helpless. Harassed and helpless. As I think about that, the, the, word, the word harassed is, is the idea that they were exposed and without covering and, and attacked on every side. These words kind of combine to show, um, even as even as he continues, he says they're harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Like sheep without a shepherd. This picture that they're out there exposed, and it even gives the picture that they're not just pushed on the outside, but they're face down, not able to protect themselves. The word there is used of uh, being drunk, face down drunk. Or being that which you have some mortal wound where you're laying face down. You can't get up. You can't stop it. It's, it's where you're going. Harassed and helpless. As Jesus looked at the crowds, as he looked at these people lost in sin, he had compassion for them. His heart broke. Because they were harassed and helpless. Like sheep without a shepherd. Love the image of the sheep and shepherd uh, from the scriptures because sheep are one of those very vulnerable animals. They're not meant to be alone. They're not meant, they can't survive by themselves. And so he pictures the sheep as being part of a flock and with a shepherd. But he says his heart broke with compassion for these crowds of people. Why? Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So his heart broke as he looked at them. And it was stirred not just to feel bad, a pity, but stirred to action as Jesus considered the crowds. Um, How do you respond to crowds? How do you respond to people lost in sin? Lost in sin. How do do you respond to them in our community? How do you respond to them, maybe even in our church? Maybe you see some of the young people around here and you can't believe how dumb they are. Can't believe the way they dress. You can't believe the way they're doing this. You can't believe how loud they are. You can't believe how disrespectful they are. Maybe as you think about some family members, you consider that. You say they're lost in sin. They're just so dumb. They just don't get it. Does your heart break with compassion? Are you moved by considering them and seeing them? Because they're harassed and helpless. It's like sheep without a shepherd. This was the heart of Jesus he shares his own heart he, as he considers the crowd. And this morning, I, I think it's important for us to see through Jesus' eyes to the crowds. 
to, to our community, to this church, to this city that we live in, the, this world that we're a part of, the state that we're a part of. And as you consider it, look not through your own eyes, but through the eyes of Jesus. His heart broke with compassion. Why? Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus uh, looked upon the world like that. And in verse 37, you, you look at him turning to his disciples, turning to his disciples, looking upon the crowds, but then turning to his disciples. And this morning, I think Jesus wants us to turn upon this group of disciples. It says, as you look upon this crowded world, this world full of people that are harassed and helpless like sheep without shepherds, what would you do? What does he want us to do? How can we be a part of his history and his plan that he is unfolding? Verse 37 uh, says, Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. If you could picture, I know for, for us here, most of the uh, things that we look at on the hills are just weeds, right? You know, But there are places in Tehachapi and places that you've seen where the crops are standing in the fields. And, and Jesus... He, he points their, their picture to the crowd and, and the crowds of people that were around them, not to the actual wheat, but to them. And he says, the harvest is plentiful. That's different than I think about it. Most of the time I think, well, you know, uh, anybody who would respond to Jesus has already responded. You know, they, they've had their options and their, their choices and they've, they've made them. They've made their choices. And so if they want to come, the door's open. <laughs> come on in. Anytime you want. But Jesus points out and he says, the harvest is plentiful. Is it good to have a plentiful harvest? I know most of us aren't farmers here, but... Uh, Let's just keep it simple, right? That's good. That's good. The idea of a, a bountiful harvest, boy, that's exciting. That's good. And uh, for those of you who are farmers, you know this better. How do you get a bountiful harvest? And you say, well, you work like crazy. And then you have to trust that the Lord will make that happen, right? Because apart from Him doing it, uh, you can't do it. And so Jesus says the, the harvest is plentiful. There's plenty to harvest. I, I'd even say it this way. There's work for everyone. There's work for everyone. The, there's tons to do. There, the harvest is out there. There's money lying in the fields. Benefit. The harvest is plentiful. And he says, the laborers or the workers are few. And he say, oh, we got a problem here. Why do we have a problem? Because there's more work than there are laborers. Uh, 
as you think about this, it, it makes me think, why? why? Why are there so few laborers? Why are there so few workers? Well, some of those people said, well, I, you know, I, I really don't have time for this. I really don't have time for this. I'm real busy. Yeah. You, you wouldn't believe the, the other things that I got to do. I got a list a mile long. I got a schedule to keep. And I have no time for this man who's got this harvest and, you know, I don't feel that I don't have any time for that. Others say, well, you know, it's too hot. It's too hot. I'm going to wait until the weather changes before I head out into the field. I'm going to wait because it's too hot for me. I have really a light skin and, you know, I get overheated real easily. Uh, It's just too hot for me. Others say, well, you know, I don't really do that kind of work. I'm not kind of a laborer type. I'm more of like a organizer, manager, accountant type, uh, something that's inside in the air conditioner, you know, something that comes out and points their finger around a little bit and then others do it. That's that's more my gifting. Laborers are few. You know, some would say, you know, I I really don't have the outfit for it. I I don't have the gear. I don't have the skill. I I, I don't have, you know, I I don't have the expertise that it takes to be a part of the harvest. And then others still would say, you know, what would other people think if I went out there and helped? What, what, What would it look like if I was clumsy at the harvest? What would it look like if I, I had the wrong outfit and people said, what are you doing out here? There are many reasons that people say, I'm not a laborer. I'm not a worker. Jesus puts side by side a bountiful harvest and a few workers. And he says, this is the problem. It's not that the harvest is there. It isn't there. And you have all these laborers and they're standing around going, yeah, we could finish this in a few hours. There's nothing to do. But he says the harvest is bountiful. There, there's plenty to do, but the workers are few. This morning, I think one of the things that is appropriate for us to do is how do you consider yourself in Jesus' kingdom work? How do you, what do you look upon yourself as? Do you see yourself as a worker, just a laborer? That word laborer is tough for me to uh, handle. You know why? Because I worked for my dad before. My dad built houses, very fancy things and amazing things. And I had a title. I had a title when I worked for my dad. Laborer. You know what that means? Strong back, weak mind. Just do what you're told. We don't need any of your skills unless you can dig really good. You know, digging skills we can use. Uh, Sweeping skills. Uh, Lifting lumber. Those are the skills that we need out of you. It just takes hard work. And Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful. There's plenty of work, but the laborers are few. The laborers are few. 
It's hard for us but because as we look at work within God's kingdom, what He is doing, most of the time we say, well, you've got to guilt people into doing it. That's the way to do it. You just guilt them into doing it. And that's kind of our method. Uh, we uh, we uh, badger people. We make them feel guilty. We make rules. If you participate, you have to help. You... You ate, so you better participate, right? You got to do the dishes. We make rules. Um, Jesus has a method for us as well of how to get this going, how to how to rectify this problem of a bountiful harvest, but just a few workers. His answer is earnest prayer. Harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And then in verse 38, he says this, Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest. Beg the Lord of the harvest. It's it's interesting because a lot of times within God's work, we think it's our problem. It's not our problem. We think it's our benefit. We think it's our glory in the end. Look at the great things that I have done. Look at the harvest that I have brought in. Look at the church that I have built. Look at how awesome I am in my ministry. And Jesus, as He speaks and as He's talking about the harvest, He says, the laborers are few and the harvest is bountiful. So He says, Earnestly pray, seek, beg the Lord of the harvest, the one who caused it to grow, the one who owns the harvest, the one who cares about the harvest more than you ever could, the one who is the owner of all, the worker out, the one who works out his plan in history. He says, beseech him, beg him for what? To send them out. To send them out. To find laborers and to send them out into the harvest. I want to tell you that uh, that should be our method here at Bear Valley Church. should be our method. Uh, it, it, it's real simple and I'll, I'll review this for us and make comments as I go. There's four points I see here uh, for us. This should be our method for ministry. This is, should be our method for work. And I want to tell you, I, I want to ask you, I, I want to just wonder, don't you want to be a part of this? Don't you want to be a part of what God is doing? Um, there's, there's a million reasons uh, not to. There, there's a million re- I know you're busy with super important things, I'm sure. Uh, I, I know there are things pressing in. I, I know there are people pressing in on you. I know that, that there's all kinds of life hitting you. But don't you want to be a part of what God is doing? Don't you want to see your days and your life mount to something? Not just something for here, but something eternal? I picture us as a church in a harvest of a cornfield. I don't know. Just corn just seems like a good harvest, right? And all of us out there picking all of us out there doing our job. All, all of us out there. And some of us are better at it than others. Some of us, you know, we're, we are getting hot and you know, we're tired and we can't make it. But, but we're all out there working because you know what? 
when there's a huge job to do, it's all hands on deck, right? We need everybody. But this is his method. This is his method. First thing is this, a heart of compassion. Heart of compassion. Our heart needs to change. Our heart needs to change. When we see crowds of people, when we see people in our community, when we meet our neighbors and we don't like them very much, our heart should not be angry, but our heart should be broken because they're harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So to have a heart of compassion that God would give us. Secondly, we need to be harvest-focused, not self-focused. The self-focused one says, you know, I want to be great. I want to be great. I want to have an important role. I'll go work, but I, I better get like a foreman job or something like that. I'll go to work, but I, I'm, I'm very, I kind of niche that I'm pretty good at. Uh, we don't need your niche right now. We need laborers, okay? We need people. It needs to be harvest focused. We see the, the blessing of God and we go and we say, I will get involved in what God is doing. Thirdly, it's prayer. It's prayer. It's to seek the Lord of the harvest. When we come to that point in time where we feel overwhelmed that we need another person, another minister, another worker, another laborer to seek God and say, God, please send them out. Send them out. And then fourthly, the result of that prayer is that he's going to send people to people, people to people. Um, I I, I want to say this because I think it's important as we consider God's ministry. Um, we need people to go to other people. Uh, sometimes we think of you know I I, I got this great movie it's going to change the world. I I, I got this uh, great flyer or track. I have this bit of, we're going to start up this new website, and everything's going to change. People are going to change because of these things. I want to tell you, Jesus' method is taking people and sending them to other people out into the harvest to, to, so that they would, in all their inadequacies, can I get an amen? All, I mean, we should be, we should be rejoicing when you hear something like that because you're saying, inadequacies, I got those. If those are the tools of the trade, I got them. Jesus takes people, you know, uh, uh, broken, uh, fumbling people. He changes them in the gospel and he gives them their message is his message and says, go out into the harvest field. I, I take you as my person and I send it to another person that you might do my work, that, that that harvest would be harvested, that it would be brought in. People to people. Often we think there's got to be a better way. You know, um, in the nursery, how do we take care of babies? You're saying, man, don't, don't they have like more tools? You know, those swingy things that go like this, that you crank them up and uh, push buttons. Isn't there something that beeps that will cause them to stop? I, I want to tell you, buy all the tools you can get, but I want to tell you the best tools, people to people, even for babies. You know what? 
uh, middle schoolers. Man, they scare me to death. Um, I, I, you know, I don't know if it, older I get, the more difficult this is. But you know what they need? People that care about them. People that talk to them. Why? Because they're harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. You say, I, I don't do this. I don't like. I don't like junior hires. Jesus would have wept. He would have showed them compassion. You, you think about all the people that that are in your life that God has. You know why He's brought them in your life? I don't know, but it, they might be the harvest, right? They're those people that that you're going to touch. Last thing I want to say this morning is this: What are you? Are you a boss? Are you a manager? Are you a consumer? Are you a sitter? Or are you a laborer in his kingdom? Let's pray. God, work on our hearts. Um, God, I, I, I'm ashamed at how often I look upon the crowds and the people and I, I just get annoyed. I get bothered. I look down upon them and I, I consider them and I, I say in my heart how stupid they are and dumb and I'm glad I'm not like them. Cause me to be like Jesus. That I might see with his eyes, that I might consider them as he did and grow in me a heart of compassion. God, I ask that you do uh, your work in your church to call upon you, the Lord of the harvest to fling out into your midst, both here in this church and in our community, that you would send out workers, send out laborers for the bountiful harvest that you have provided. God, we'll praise you for it. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I encourage you this week as you think about this and um, talk about your place. Talk about your place in God's work. Where does he have you? If you're frustrated and you don't know what that is, let's talk. Uh, grab one of the pastors, one of the elders, and we'll pray with you about where God has you right now. Uh, don't miss out. Don't miss out on what God is doing. Thank you so much for being here today. You are dismissed.